Welcome in everybody to the Longhorn Republic, your source for Texas Longhorn news, sports, and opinions with a bit of snark built in. We are a podcast of Burn Orange Nation, and you can find more great Texas Longhorn content over at burnorangenation.com. If you like what we do, please leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. It helps get the show out there. Share this with your friends. Maybe you found it, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, anywhere where you find fine podcast content. You can find Kyle and myself. Connect with us on social media at LonghornPod on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, the Longhorn Republic, or shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. My name is Gerald Goodrich. I'm your host this week, like I am every week. And I'm joined by a man who's obsessed with Pantones. Kyle Carpenter. Kyle, yeah, they, I'm a Pantone dropper I, in, into various conversations um, that's been said about me. Um, no, he, here's the thing, Gerald. I'm going to talk a little bit today about Oklahoma State and Texas. You are as well. But the thing that I think is important that we need to ultimately settle during the course of this conversation um, is there can only be one, as in Highlander, as in that's where I saw Highlander. Um which again, inside jokes make podcasts. Uh, <laughs> Great. Um, there can only be one mullet in the Big Twelve to rule them all, and we will de- we will determine today, I think, whether it's Mike Gundy or it's Quinn Ewers. So um, I'm excited. Talk a little OSU uh, football. The the correct shade of orange, the correct length of mullet, all the all the specific and wonderful, glorious details therein. Um, I don't know, Gerald. It's it's beginning to feel a lot like football feels like this countdown is getting antsy like we're we're sticking close i heard the local high school band practicing their drum cadences uh for the first time i try not to go outside right now (laughs) because it's a billion degrees um but i did this morning to to take the trash out because it was still it was still only 80 at at eight o'clock this morning so um took out the trash and you know what it's start, you're starting to have the sounds, the, the, the smells, the feeling, the, 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 the hot grass, all the beautiful, beautiful smells like football stuff. And before we get started, there's something that we're really excited to share with you. Uh, Kyle and I have, have worked with a friend of ours from college who uh, is connected in Dell Valley School District outside of Austin. You probably, uh, if you're from the area, know of it. But we had the opportunity to connect with some teachers in the district that are needing some help to uh, get school supplies ready and classroom supplies ready ahead of the school year. And so we have a couple of Amazon wish lists. You'll find it pinned to the top of our Twitter profile. We'll go ahead and put it on the Facebook as well. But we'd love to partner with you all to do our best to help them uh, just get the school supplies they need ahead of the school year. And so, like I said, we've got that pinned to our Twitter profile. It'll be up there until, uh, well, as long as we can. So we'd love for you to jump on there. There's some really cost-effective items, things like five, ten bucks. We would love to for you all to help us just bless these teachers ahead of the school year because we know, did you know the teachers can only write off $250 worth of classroom supplies on their taxes? Like crazy stuff. So we want to take the opportunity to hopefully uh, sow into some some young people in the Austin area and help some uh, teachers out with the need for school supplies. If you can believe it or not, we are 36 days away from kickoff we're into like running back numbers and it feels good to be there we started this thing at at like defensive end numbers so i'm really glad that we've uh, gone this far uh we are moving through texas's 2022 schedule we are way deep into it so if you haven't heard them it's our thursday show basically every week for the last uh well like eight weeks or so now but we are on the oklahoma state cowboys and so we have a first time guest on the show probably be a many time guest on the show cade webb from the feels like 45 podcast part of 
the 1012 Podcast Network, our good friends over there. And Kate, how are you doing today? I'm really good, guys. Gerald, Kyle, thank you for having me on. I, I appreciate it. The Texas game is one of my favorites every year, and uh, I, I, I like this matchup, so I'm I'm pumped to come on and talk. You know, there there are years that we we like this matchup more than others. I'll be curious to hear your thoughts. Uh, some some new faces in in the rivalry this year, but uh, yeah, if if we win, I always like this matchup. If not, I, I hate it. Right, same here, hundred percent. I mean, it's really easy to like it when you come into Austin and smack us around every every other year. It's fine though. Hey, I just just for your knowledge, I was uh, a nine year old kid when Vince Young pump faked Donovan Woods into oblivion <laughs> in, in in route to a like what was that 42, 49 point second half uh, comeback in two thousand and five uh, in Boone Pickens Stadium. So. I mean, I, I've taken my lumps with Texas. So the last couple of years have been more fun than usual, but uh, I've seen the pain that you guys can inflict uh, really up close and personal. So Some say Donovan Wood still hasn't landed to this day. <laughs> I, I haven't heard it otherwise. That makes me feel super old because I was at the other big comeback, second half comeback with Vince Young. I was there live. My, <laughs> my, that was my freshman year in college. That's how old uh, I am. So I appreciate you doing that to me, Kate. Maybe you won't come back. We'll see. <laughs> that was unintentional. I just wanted you guys to know that Vince Young, uh, you know, has has a place in my childhood, good, bad or indifferent. It was a place <laughs> for sure. I love it. Well, I appreciate that, that uh, clarity. So uh, we're not here to talk old football. We'll talk some new football. Oklahoma State's in, a, in an interesting position. They bring back you know, some talent on offense. Defense is having a little bit of turnover. Uh, but we'll start with the, the trigger man like I like to do on these. Spencer Sanders, first team all Big 12 quarterback. Did we ever think we would hear that those words come out of somebody's mouth? Uh, but heading into his fourth year as the quarterback for the Cowboys, like he's the senior leader. He's the guy. Mike Gundy's the quarterback guy. So there's a reason why he's gone with Sanders now for four years so what are the expectations for him as he kind of heads into his swan song and uh, hopefully rides off into the sunset successfully well I, I think you're kind of right on it just so you know he's actually got two years of eligibility left which is outrageous seems like he's it's like the Adam Morrison of college oh. college <laughs> yeah right it's it's insane the COVID year happened so he's a senior this year he can actually come back next year as well but you know Gerald to answer your question I mean you know he he quietly if you can say that about a first team all big 12 quarterback he quietly had a very solid year um, really that I think was marred by two pretty poor games in terms of turnovers and it's something that's plagued his career all, all I mean all careers so um, you know we, we kind of get that elephant out of the room early because everybody that wants to talk about Spencer Sanders wants to talk about the turnovers but what they you know often fail to mention is I mean he he really grew as a quarterback and a decision maker last year Baylor specifically gave him troubles. We actually talked to Sam Bradshaw on our podcast of, of Sikkim 365 a couple weeks ago and dove into what happened there. But I mean, seven of his 12 interceptions last year came against Baylor. And so if you just you just go down to the average there, he really had a pretty decent year in terms of decision making and was was dynamic uh, in his running ability. You know, a couple of things that stick out to me, he was his best games of the year were his last games of the year against Oklahoma and Notre Dame as the competition got stiff. He, he got stiff too. And so uh, I think a lot of that can be credited to the the style of offense that was displayed in those games, which we'll probably get to tonight. Um, but really I think he grew as a quarterback last year and a decision maker. And I think it's probably something that flew under the radar because of what happened in Dallas and, and in that big 12 title game. I think a lot of people, that's what, what, 
uh, is the resonating factor with Spencer Sanders. When if you go look at the tape, um, you would see an improved quarterback from the year before and then the year before that. And, and we've seen Spencer Sanders can do with his legs, right? You know that he can be a dual threat. You know as his decision making gets better as he gets older, he's he's a more complete uh, quarterback like you just talked about. The thing that's going to be interesting, I think, is um, last year he did have some established weapons in his career. He's had some established weapons, but you replace. Tay Martin and Jailer Jalen Warren both heading to the NFL. Uh, who does who does Gundy? Who does Sanders? Uh, who does that offense look to 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 be the kind of workhorse to uh, to be Sanders' other weapons? Yeah, it's a it's a great question, and I think you know let's just start with wide receiver first because I think Tay Martin is the one I'm I'm more concerned about wide receiver just having that go-to player. Um, but as history tells us, that go-to player is probably on the roster. Uh, and I believe it's Jaden Bray. Um, Dustin, my co-host, and I have talked a lot about Jaden Bray. Um, he showed flashes last year. Um, I don't want to, I don't want to say he's a Justin Blackman like clone, but he he has some Justin Blackman tendencies to him. Very physical after the catch, can make some extremely physical catches too. And he was just a true freshman last year, had a few touchdowns and showed some really real ability after the catch. And so I, I, from everything we've heard in fall camp, Spencer and Bray have had a dynamic connection and is one that I would look out for. Um, and it actually does. The, the reason I like the Blackman comparison is Justin Blackman had a, a, a dynamic freshman year, but was not really thought of as highly going into his sophomore year. And then his sophomore year, he won the Blitnikoff. So um, I'm not saying that for Jaden Bray. I just like the comparison, but then it's, it's not just him. I mean, Brennan Presley coming back for his junior season has been a staple in this offense. I actually expect him to lead the team in receptions this year. Um, and, you know, he's, he's a dynamic playmaker with the ball in his hands is a dynamic kick returner as well. Had the, had the one against Oklahoma in Bedlam to, to basically put Oklahoma state ahead in that game. Um, him, you could go down the list with John Paul Richardson. And one guy that is, it's really interesting is Braden Johnson. He actually was not on the roster last year. Didn't play due to a medical issue, but has returned and is actually a guy that, that Longhorn fans might be familiar with. He scored a touchdown, uh, in their game a couple of years ago and has been on the roster. He, I mean, he's going into, this has got to be his sixth year, seventh year around the program. He's been around a long time but he's been regarded as the fastest player in the program. And so you split him out on the opposite side of those guys. I think you've got some real weapons at wide receiver. It's just, can they put it all together? Um, and, you know, not to, not to, you know, turn all the way back to Spencer Sanders, but you know, he's not surgical as a passer at times. He can get pretty loose with the ball. Um, Decision-making is one piece, but um, his mechanics are going to be really important because I do think he has a bevy of receivers that can get the job done. We'll just see if one separates uh, from the rest. And if if there is one, um, I would expect that to be Jaden Bray. Now, you asked about the running back position. I think it's running back by committee. Um, Jalen Warren really came out of nowhere for for most people. We, we heard about him late in the offseason last year as a guy to look out for. But I don't think anybody around the Big 12 was looking at Jalen Warren as a the, the, the type of player he was. But... Really, what you have this year is running back by committee. You have Dominic Richardson, who's coming back. He's a junior in this offense now. You've got Jaden Nixon, who has shown flashes of 65-yard touchdown run against TCU last year. And then the guy that I think most Oklahoma State fans are chomping at the bit just to get a glimpse of 
is Ollie Gordon out of Trinity Euless, who's a four-star recruit, actually went toe-to-toe against Quinn Ewers in the state title game a couple years back. Um, and some say he's the best player on that field. So, and I, it's no shot to Quinn Ewers. It's more just a comparison of the, the talent that Ollie Gordon has shown. Um, He's, he's a physical specimen. I mean, he's 6'2", 220 as a true freshman. Um, he was actually dinged up a little bit in the spring game, so we didn't get to see a ton. But again, from all accounts, he's he's been dynamic as well. But the thing about him is that Mike Gundy has shown in his career he's not afraid to play the true freshman if they're ready, Justice Hill being a prime example just a few years back. So, you know, look at the running back room to be running back by committee, but I think there's definitely some playmakers there that can get it done. You had to bring up Justin Blackman. I still have nightmares about that guy. Like, he he, he still haunts my dreams. The dude was just... I, I was actually covering Oklahoma State like his breakout year and like I had to keep myself in check because I was like I kind of hate this guy right now like I'm very upset one of the best I mean maybe the best athlete I've ever seen play a sport with my own eyes I mean just yeah. just shocking it is, yeah it was ridiculous seeing seeing him in person now a quarterback's best friend is the offensive line and, and Oklahoma State lost like 100 combined starts uh, off of the offensive line from a year ago, but they returned three starters as well. So uh, you take the good, you take the bad. Uh, but, you know, Sills and, and Godlevesque are, are, are two kind of cornerstone guys. They've been around, it feels like, since the world was formed. It's like, how do you how do you fill that void on the offensive line, especially, uh, you know, with an offense that's kind of got high expectations uh, for, for 2022? Yeah, I think if there's a question mark on this team, it's it's the offensive line, and it, it might make or break this season for them. You could argue the secondary as well, but we'll get to that. With the offensive line, I think it all starts up front, just like you said. How do they replace Josh Sills? I think they've got an answer in that, potentially. We've heard uh, some some rumblings that Taylor Materico is going to take over that left guard spot. Uh, but Josh Sills, I mean, he was an all-Big 12 player uh, multiple years, transferred in from West Virginia. Danny Godlevsky was a graduate transfer. We only got him for about 10 games until he got hurt. Uh, expect Preston Wilson to slot into center there and I really think they've got the guys it's really and and so left tackle Caleb Etienne uh you could expect Hunter Woodard at right guard um and then we've heard Jake Springfield a former walk-on but has played a lot of tackle on the right side of that line I really think the starting five of that group is upper middle pack of the big 12 now once you get into the depth of the offensive line is where I get concerned You've got some unknowns in in Vanderbilt transfer, Jason Brooks. He goes by Queso, so we'll call him Queso Brooks from now on. Um, You've got some uh, Casey Collier. He's a right tackle. They've been saying he could flip to left tackle if needed, but comes out of USC, 6'7", 300 pounds, but hasn't played a ton. So an interesting prospect there. But then you've got guys like Eli Russ. Um, you, You really can go down the list. I think it's the thing that concerns me the most is depth if one of those guys goes down. I mean, this offensive line has been a little bit of musical chairs for the last several years, it feels like. And they, you know, last year was the first time it really felt like they started to gel. And then Danny Godlevsky gets hurt and Siaki Ika just bulldozes, uh, you know, poor Joe Mahalski uh, in the Big 12 title game. But, you know, I I think they've got guys that really do. And um, it's just a matter of if they can stay healthy, because that has been a problem as well. They've they've had some key injuries at bad times. So 
that that's really going to be the thing that I look out for. So I, I, a couple things when I come back in here. First of all, you're a mensch for not finishing the lyrics to Gerald's uh, The Facts of Life when he gave you the, it, you take the good, you take the bad. Uh, <laughs> you take them both and there you have The Facts of Life. But no, I also wanted to, to point out, I looked up while you were saying it, Ali Gordon was very good, very, very good. In, in I think the week before he played Quinn Ewers, he ran for 450 yards, which is a lot of yards. The week he played Quinn Ewers, this just is a fact. Ewers went 35 for 39 for 450 yards and six touchdowns. I think they're both very good, and I'm curious to see uh, who who gets who gets uh, the most touchdowns uh, when when they play. As I said, that was not a shot at Quinn. They've, there's <laughs> there's just debate to be had. Now those stats are pretty darn impressive. I like healthy debate. I didn't honestly I didn't remember that game with Quinn Ewers stats being that good. I just googled. I didn't uh, either, but check. the highlights are outrageous. So I probably That's, should have known that. But I mean, hey, two good players doing insanely good things at the high school level make for fun college but we talked about offensive guys you have to talk about how you actually stop these offensive guys right we have questions about what the texas defense is going to do but let's start uh here with the oklahoma state defense right defensively the architect of last year's really really elite defense went to a different osu uh finds his uh himself uh at the northern version ohio state um they also replace, I think, the top five tacklers. So it's going to look different, but uh, what what pieces are, are you, you expecting the defense to be built around in 2022? Yeah, well, if you're asking me what, they, what they're going to build around, I, I think that defensive line is is where they start, and it's going to be what, what carries them to, to the ceiling of this season. So, um, I mean, you're, it's highlighted by – First team All Big 12, Colin Oliver was a true freshman last year, so an absolute freak. Um, maybe the best defensive player, just in terms of prospect and potential, that has come through Oklahoma State in a very, very long time. Justin Gilbert, who was drafted sixth overall, jumps out as like that that type of player. Um, Trace Ford on the other side, who was hurt last year with the torn ACL, he showed flashes and was spoken about similarly. Um, and so now you've got really two dynamic. Um, some some would say generational defensive ends at Oklahoma State, but then you rotate in a Brock Martin uh, who who has been at Oklahoma State for five years is a mainstay on that defensive line. You've now got three edge rushers who I mean have combined for countless sacks in their careers, and then it's anchored by Brennan Evers in the middle. Um, they've got several transfers that are that could factor in in the middle, but I really think that this entire defensive line um, is is one of the best units in the big 12 just by position group. Like you could stack this defensive lineup against like a, a TCU secondary or, uh, you know, go down the list. So I think Oklahoma state's defensive line will have to be that good because there's question marks elsewhere, uh, notably in the secondary. You, I'm an advanced stat guy. You say Oklahoma State's defensive line is one of the best units statistically. Uh, they were like top five in every advanced defensive line stat from a year ago. It's like, like you don't see that. It's absolutely insane. Uh, and I, I appreciate their commitment to reversing the the national conversation around the big 12, right? It's still to this day, like 20 years later, after Mike Gundy stopped running the air raid, it's, oh, they don't play defense <laughs> in the big 12. Well, Gerald, do you think that it actually even reversed the national argument? I still don't think that people talk about Oklahoma state defense or big 12 defenses the way they should. Oklahoma state had the number two defense in college football last year behind Georgia. And, yep. and people don't care. 
It's, it's crazy. I, we, I, we, we watched them be fantastic against us. Iowa State was very good. Baylor was very good. There was some stout defense. West Virginia had their days. We ba- we banged the drum on our mon- on our Tuesday show, but like something that Kyle and I constantly bang the drum on is the fact that like Big Twelve defenses weren't bad. The offenses were just really innovative, and nobody knew how how to defend them. It's why Brent Venables got run off, and now everybody's like, oh yeah, bring him back. But like the reverse has happened now. The Big Twelve is innovative defense. Everybody's everybody's trying to jack the Iowa State defense because it works there there's a reason why ohio state fired their guy and hired oklahoma state's defensive coordinator so it's just it's this it's the same thing in reverse the big 12 is pushing the game forward and everybody wants to crap on it it's dumb i would actually highly encourage you guys if this is if this topic is interesting mike gundy went on the uh uh uh, cowboy insider podcast a few weeks ago and spoke about this exact conversation about how it wasn't even really about Oklahoma State's defense. It was more about the evolution of Big 12 football. And Gerald, to your credit, how everybody copied Iowa State. And then the offenses slowed down to try to counter it. And now what you're going to see this year, Oklahoma State's about to go warp speed. I fully expect Texas to go very, very fast. Oklahoma's going to go fast. So everything is going back. It's just the way college football goes. I would highly encourage that podcast. If that topic is interesting, yeah. you to hear a sitting coach talk about it the the pendulum of, of football and the pendulum of schemes it's a it's a wonderful thing okay so let's 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 wrap up the 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 formal part of this podcast and like as we if we're sitting here and when we bring you back on in december or january i'm like okay this was a successful season uh, for oklahoma state like what is that what does a successful season look like in your eyes like what are the expectations what how you measure success at the end of the year yeah, well, that's that's tough. I mean, Mike Gundy has set the bar. I mean, it's it's nine wins feels like the the baseline every year. That's what you kind of expect. You just go down the schedule, win, 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 and then the Texas game, the Oklahoma game, you know, and then throw in one of those strange losses that always seems to pop up, and then Oklahoma State just ends up at nine wins. So I would I would consider status quo to be a success. However. If you go listen to our podcast, I've said I, I expect Oklahoma State to be back in Dallas. The question is who they play. I, I think the defense um, has question marks in the secondary, but they're let and I, we didn't even really talk about them, but they're part of this answer. I mean, they're they're led by senior defensive back and safety Jason Taylor, who was named uh, to the all big 12 list preseason. Um, he's going to be a staple in that defense and, and really, I think, will help. A guy like Kendall Daniels, who was extremely highly regarded coming out of high school, was recruited by Texas and OU or Texas A&M and OU, but they told him you got to play linebacker here. You're not good enough to play safety. So I fully expect him uh, to be a a factor early and often. Um, and because of that, I, I think Oklahoma State's back in Dallas, um, and it's really looking at th- the way the defense performed last year, who they return on the defensive line. And then counting on Spencer Sanders' continued progression as a quarterback. I don't expect him to take a step back. I expect him to take a step forward. Um, and the schedule lines out pretty nicely. They're going to have a tough, tough challenge on their hands going on the road to Baylor, going on the road to OU. But you get through Baylor early on in the year, and you're starting out 4-0 and potentially. I know that's a big ask, but that early part of your schedule is really going to set Oklahoma State up. And so um, – I also think that you could have two two loss teams in the Big 12 title game this year, just the way the Big 12 looks. So, um, Gerald, to wrap up, I, I I expect Oklahoma State to be back in Dallas this year. I think they have the pieces and I think they have the coach. I've called it a crabs in the barrel year for the Big 12. It just has that feeling where it's just like everybody's just going to be like 
it's it's going to be one of those one of those typical Big Twelve years where people are just pulling each other down. And I think you're very right that there's probably going to be at least a one loss, if not a two loss team uh, in conference. In, in I the, think you could just game. interchange the top five, and you could absolutely see them, any one of them, being in the Big Twelve title game. I think Oklahoma State, Texas is the end of Texas's like eight straight uh, without a bye week. So it's going to be really interesting for Texas. So we have this one circled as kind of a key indicator for the Longhorn season as well, right? Because we get the bye after that and it kind of feels like the the back half of the season, you know, if, if injuries go their way, they can they can make a little run. But uh, there will be some fatigue. OU, Iowa State, Oklahoma State for Texas in a row. Um yeah, on the road, of course, it's Stillwater. So it will be this will be a very key game, I think, for both teams because you will you will learn a lot about that last third of the season and who's playing for what uh, by the time we we get to this one. But I do like your prediction. I like that you went bold, Dallas or bus for Oklahoma State. You heard it here first, or maybe if you listen to uh, his podcast, you heard it there first. But that is a fantastic way, I think, to wrap up the serious part. This is your first time on our podcast, but our listeners mainly fast forward through all the information. They don't want to hear Gerald or I talk about real stuff. They, they, they come right here to this part, what we call rapid fire, basically where we, we just let the guard down, let it roll, have a little bit more fun. I think you're going to, I think you're going to be perfect for this. So let's, let's get it started with a, with a pretty easy toss up. So, uh, which is the more superior Gundy, mullet Gundy or non-mullet Gundy? Oh, wow. I'll go non-mullet Gundy. Uh, they tend to win more significant games when, when mullet Gundy is gone. Um, that being said, if there's a mullet, and I, I said this on our podcast, so hopefully uh, this sounds familiar to any of your listeners, but once it starts getting curly... <laughs> it's usually a pretty good indicator of how he feels about his football team. Um, ah. And it's getting a little curly is what I'll say. So I just, I look back at 2011. I look back at uh, this last year, no mullet. And those were two of the most successful uh, teams in Oklahoma state history. And you look at 2017 mullet and one of the more disappointing years in Oklahoma state history, just in terms of expectations. You should put, it's getting a little curly on a shirt and sell it as merch for your podcast. I, I can't, I can't give it away free. Thank ideas, you, Gerald. I appreciate you, you saying that. I, I just wrote that down. I think, I think the other thing is, I, I believe what you've just seeded is that Quinn Ewers is the, uh, is the true Samson of the conference. Now his mullet, it will, will power Texas. So we, we know where the mullet reigns supreme because Gundy needs to be clean shaven, but curly. He, he does have a really solid one. I'll give you that. But I mean, Mike Gundy brought it back, I feel like. That was five years ago when he brought he it back. Nobody was rocking a mullet. Now it seems like everybody and their kid and their dog has got a mullet. So, Okay, so, so it's it's the era of NIL, right? And players are uh, – depend- we're not going to talk about the, the pay-for-play stuff and recruiting, but we're going to talk about the actual NIL. Like, you know, Jordan Whittington, Texas receiver, goes and gets his teeth whitened, puts up an Instagram post so it's free, right? Like, what is your dream NIL deal for, for an Oklahoma State athlete? Could be could be current, could be past. It might be fun to explore the past, but, like, pick a player, pick a brand or service. Like, what's your dream NIL situation? Oh, my goodness gracious. We've actually talked about this, but I can't recall exactly, exactly what I said. I'd have to go back and revisit that but if i if i could pitch an nil deal i i the first thing that jumps out is taylor cornelius uh back in 2018 uh was the quarterback when oklahoma state beat number six uh texas and sam ellinger in stillwater um i would go corn dogs for corn dog that's that would <laughs> yeah. be my nil deal 
because his nickname was corn dog. So, you know, Sonic, uh, f- uh, you know, free corn dog for every touchdown that Taylor Cornelius scores. That would be, that would be my promo corn dogs for corn dog. He also ran like he was eating a corn dog. The guy was so slow and he would somehow just glide through for touchdowns. It would triggering. His stride was like four and a half yards long. I mean, he, he was six, six. And he may have, it may have seemed slow, but that dude covered a lot of ground <laughs> in those steps. <laughs> it was very frustrating. It was like slow-mo and all the fans were like, just, just tackle him, tackle him. Like he's, he's, he's there. And it just felt like he, 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 you're right, glided uh, around. All right. So um, without looking, how old a man is Mike Gundy? He's uh, a man and he's 54, I think. Has that been 14 years? I, I actually don't know. I, I was I was banking on you. Let's... He actually, so in 2007 was the Texas Tech rant, uh, and he was 40 at that point. That's so he's correct. either 54 or 55. He is. As of uh, August 12, he will be uh, 55, but today he's 54. You nailed it. Uh, he's a man. He's 54. Yeah, and man, it's uh, it's been quite the ride for sure. But that may be our our spinoff podcast. Feels like 54. Uh, <laughs> once we you know run out of the feels like 45 brand. I love it. The paddle people are one of my like favorite like non Texas traditions. I don't know why. I've just always enjoyed it. And this is a question. My brain's a weird place. I've got ADHD. But like, what's the largest animal you think you could take down armed only with a paddle person's paddle? Like, what's what's the biggest animal you think you could take down armed only with a paddle? What do you think? Oh wow, that's great wow it's gonna be something mid-sized um like you can't be talking like rhino or hippo or giraffe or anything like that um so let me go with like i mean a chimpanzee could kill me um (laughs) so i'd go with like a maybe a smaller primate uh gosh i don't know hmm can i go with like a uh an anteater oh Okay. okay. I know that's not a primate, but it's a large animal, a <laughs> little bit slower. I feel like I could sneak up behind it. I think I could. I think I could get get around a, a chimpanzee or a, an anteater. I mean, I like it. I, 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 I that was not where my head was going, but you, you took that turn, and I really appreciate it. We know Gundy hunts rattlesnakes, so why not anteaters? There you go. T- a twelve foot long rattlesnake. That's not. I could take that with a paddle, hundred percent. I okay. mean, I could take that from a distance if I just had a, an accurate throw. <laughs> so, all right, no context. I'm going to give you three numbers. You tell me which you prefer: one sixty-six, one fifty-nine, or one fifty-one. Oh, one fifty-one. I like it. You you passed the test. Those obviously were the Pantone oranges uh, of of the two schools. UT is Pantone 159. You passed the test there. Oklahoma State weirdly has two official Pantones, both 166C to be specific and 151. Uh, So, uh, you know, just get one color and make it burnt. That's all I got to (laughs) say. Well, being in marketing, I study the Pantone colors every day. No, I actually didn't know that's why you asked. But uh, why I did answer that is I'm a Kansas City native, uh, and you know that's that's Caribou Lou 151 rum, pineapple juice and Malibu Caribou Lou. That might be the first Tech Nine reference on our podcast, and I really appreciate it. I've I've maybe ran into him five times being from that's, Kansas City. It's almost like a rite of passage. So that's amazing. This is a random aside. I lived in like a Mandela uh, effect situation. Like one person randomly tweeted that he was dead, and then like six months later, I saw him like buying 
Christmas gifts for kids like he does every December. And I was like, wait, I thought that dude was dead. Like, it was <laughs> I, think, weird. I think Tech might have uh, some sort of immortality um, going <laughs> on. I mean, he, I've met him at uh, an album signing that I just got dragged to. He's a really nice guy and a Kansas City kind of staple. So Very, very nice guy. Well, Cade, you are also a very nice guy, but we want to make sure you give you give you as much of your evening back as we can. So, man, uh, if folks want more of what you've got to offer, brother, where can they find you on the Internet? Yeah, uh, you can find me at Cade Webb. More importantly, you can find mine and Dustin Reduce's podcast at Feels Like 45 Pod on Twitter. We started it actually the Texas week last year. It is our second podcast together. Um, we go way back and have really enjoyed doing it. And, um, you know, if you if you want an in-depth breakdown of Oklahoma State football and you really want I mean, we're, we're previewing games from a non homers perspective. I mean, we're homers. Don't get me wrong, but we're trying to give uh, our listeners a an expectation of what to expect. And uh, I think Dustin and I, uh, at least that's what we set out to do. And you can be the judge if we do it or not. So uh, at feels like 45 pod and it's the feels like 45 podcast. And if you want to know the reference. We get asked all the time. Um, the 1945 national championship that kind of became a meme a few years ago that Oklahoma State was retroactively awarded. <laughs> that is the uh, that is the reference. So that's amazing. One of my favorite Twitter memes was was uh, was all Aggies win off seasons um, and and just claim claim championships. Uh, you know, years later. But no, I, you just did one, right? A and M, I think, added like three in the dark of night. So it's yeah. Well, I mean, we we added one and then we plastered it on the uh <laughs> east end zone of gallagher iba i mean it was like wow we really went all in there so uh and it ended up becoming a meme and and that's that's the name of our podcast but no i appreciate you guys it was fun and uh really enjoyed getting to uh know you and uh yeah check out the feels like 45 podcast we enjoy doing it all right, Gerald, let's wrap this bad boy up with some burnt orange, the correct orange uh colored lenses we take a look through the world with longhorn tinged pantone one 59 tinch lenses a um, couple baseball hitters that i think we uh missed in our last coverage or since we last uh released an episode tristan stevens signed with the miami marlins as an undrafted free agent jared southard was drafted in that last day in the 12th round by the la angels and skylar messenger um a cool story from colorado was a big Tulowitzki fan growing up, posted a picture of himself as a kid meeting Tulo in his Rocky shirt, was drafted by his hometown, Colorado Rockies. Out of these three, there's a couple feel-good stories. I think I'm most excited about the fact that Tristan Stevens, who came back another year to prove what he could do as a starter and get drafted, didn't have the year he wanted, went to the bullpen, didn't complain, still came out, played his heart out for Texas. I think the fact that he's getting a shot to continue his career is, is the most exciting um, piece of this for me. I, I, I'm, I'm excited for Stevens. I hope he's able, it's a long shot, but able to, to carve out something and, and make it all the way to the big leagues. Yeah, I mean, that that is a long shot, but I think uh, he's a guy that deserves us standing in his corner and cheering for him. He gave it everything he could at the University of Texas. And so I'm, I'm glad uh, to see him getting a shot and, and uh, he'll get to play some more baseball, which is which is every kid's dream. Absolutely. Austin Todd uh, also this week was announcing that he said after, uh, after 20... One years of playing baseball in his post, he's he's done and moving on to the next phase of his life. For a second, I thought he was talking about 21 years at the University of Texas, but I guess that's his full <laughs> his full baseball career from his youth days. Um, all right, uh, moving on. Uh, last bit of news, different uh, different sport here. Let's go to the grass. Uh, Texas X 
Julia Grasso had a had herself a tournament. Um, the Canadian women in the CONCACAF uh, championship came in second. Uh, the U.S. won uh, in, I believe, 1-0 dramatic fashion. But uh, on the Canadian side, Grasso was one of their best, if not honestly their best player. She had an assist and also a, uh, a bevy of goals in a five-game tournament. She was the golden boot. She had the most goals of any player from any country in the CONCACAF championship help Canada get to that runner up. I mean, the only way I'm okay with Julia Grasso taking that L is because it was to the U.S. ladies, and I think uh, the U.S. women's national team is easily the most dominant international team that the the country has. I mean, the, tr- the track and field has been okay, but the, the Caribbean Jamaica generally dominates that. Um, basketball, usually, but also hit or miss depending on who's there but like the u.s women's national team just gets it done and, and uh it's been very impressive so yeah big ups to to, Ju- to, to julia and i'm glad uh she's finding international success and i uh, hope she gets uh, find some more yeah the signed a big deal for juventus now dominating for canada who legitimately i think canada and the u.s were both on like 10 game winning streaks like canada's turned themselves into one of the probably really top five teams, top three teams uh, in the world. So uh, really cool to see Julia Grasso leading them in the attacking midfield. Gerald, let's take it home now with a little Godzilla Tron. What are you watching on your giant screen? So I'm I'm almost done with that, that audio book that I mentioned last week, The uh, the Coward. Really good. You should check it out if you're into to fantasy. And it, it gets more fantasy-y as it progresses, but it's a very early character study and, and about just like PTSD and like stuff like that, like the nature of, of bravery and what that really means and the power of myth and religion. It's really, it's really been an interesting read. But uh, my wife and I started The Bear, on FX slash Hulu. It is, you know, if you're a food person or a restaurant person, um, it's about a, um, a, a chef who was at the French Laundry, which is one of the best restaurants in the world. Well, his brother passes away unexpectedly, um, and so he has to take over the family restaurant. Um, and it's about him trying to turn the restaurant into something more, and it's all about the dynamics of the, the people in the restaurant and the workers and the employees and all of that. And it's really, really good. Um, Hulu says it's a comedy, but it's definitely not a comedy. There are people that said um, it's given them anxiety. Those people have never worked food service before. Uh, so if you worked food service before, you'll be fine because you've experienced high pressure, high leverage kitchen situations. But uh, there is some high pressure, high leverage kitchen situations that happen. Um, it's good. They, they, they're sweary. Again, if you've ever been in a kitchen, you know that they're going to be sweary. It's very, very committed to that accuracy. But uh, we are like four episodes in and absolutely loving it. So it's really, really good. Uh, really well acted. Not a lot of actors you're familiar with. So um, it also allows you to, to dive in, dial up the immersion. And then my wife and I this weekend, I finally got a, an opportunity to a movie that's been on the top of my list for since it came out everything everywhere all at once uh if you haven't seen it i I knew i intentionally didn't know a lot intentionally decided not to to read too much i just knew it was like multiverse stuff and martial arts stuff that's really all i knew about it going in and uh i absolutely loved it it was incredible i don't i feel like anything i want to say or like praise it for would like ruin that same experience for somebody but i don't know if anybody else has had this feeling and i think the last time i had it was watching hell or high water but like in the middle of a movie you realize you're watching one of your new favorite movies and that's what i felt like watching this movie like i remember watching hell or high water and i was like yep this is one of my new favorite movies of all time i'll stand on a table for it and i felt the same way watching everything everywhere all at once when i was watching it uh, over the weekend so i uh, absolutely will recommend that to an anybody that asks 
huge Hell or High Water fan also. This is a double Hell or High Water recommendation podcast. I have not seen either of these, and they're both near the top of my list, Gerald, so... I love it. You're 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 giving me a little appetizer to keep the uh, the food service theme going here. Um, the bear will probably happen shortly. Um, I do not have internet currently. I'm I'm a week in to uh, AT and T um, outage uh, at my house. I think a water line uh, city was working on the water line and well below the surface cut a cable um hopefully it results in at&t finally giving me fiber at my house which i've been asking for uh i don't know we're we're <laughs> we're, we're ongoing if any of our our dear listeners are, are execs at at&t um you know hook me up let me know I'm recording podcasts at the slalom office which again they have nitro cold brew so it's not the worst thing in the world uh but they do turn the air conditioning off at night so uh <laughs> i uh thanks to the, my company for allowing me to record here but i have not watched a ton because uh i i don't have the the bandwidth uh literally and uh <laughs> and and you know i i'm the 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 non Wi-Fi I don't even know what G three G four G five G in my house is spotty enough that it's not the greatest and I don't want to watch on a phone so um, there are a, a bevy of things that we're ready to jump into and I think this like week off is great and and it's it's nice to pause a little and just talk and go I've gone to bed earlier a lot of nice things uh, <laughs> with it listen to a couple more podcasts I guess. Um, but uh, but yeah, it's it's uh, it, nothing new. Podcast of my same olds. I just hadn't caught up in a while after being out of the country for a couple weeks. So it's been a catch up time. Uh, hopefully by the next time we come to your podcast ears, I will have this resolved and I will have some great Godzilla Tron recommendations. But Gerald carrying the weight with two stellar wrecks. And that's all we've got for you this week, Kyle. Where can the good folks find you on the internet? Oh, you can follow me on Twitter at Kyle Carpenter. You can also follow the Texas Pregamer at Texas Pregamer. You can follow me on Twitter. I am at GH Goodridge. Follow the show on Twitter at Longhorn Pod. Facebook and Instagram, the Longhorn Republic. Or shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. Thank you so much for tuning in again this week. And until next time, hook em. Hook em. Thanks again. To my